This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Stacey West Podcast. As ever, I'm Ben and Gary is on the other end of the line. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, mate. How are you? Uh, Yeah, I'm not bad. Everything's calmed down since last week. Lots of things have, have been and gone. Lots of things have happened. Um... Which we'll come to in the football te- uh, sense, obviously. But uh, yeah, how have you been? Uh, how's your week been in terms of extracurricular, in terms of not footballing stuff? Busy. Busy. <laughs> yeah, that's how it's been. It's been busy. I've been writing an awful lot. I can't actually believe it's Thursday evening already. My missus went home on Monday and I'm looking across at the side and there's still some of Sunday's dinner pots to wash up. <laughs> well, it's in my defence, yeah, that's all I remember. In my defence, so they've been there three nights, but it's the big ones that take up a lot of space on the draining board. And when there's one of you, you don't wash and dry at the same time because it's a waste of, of energy. You wash, leave on the draining board to dry, and then simply put away before you wash next time. So the the big stuff that she used to boil the broccoli in the other on on Sunday night, um, I've, I've just not got near at the minute. So. I've washed all the stuff I've been between. I haven't got three days worth of pots, but I just don't know where the time's gone. <laughs> three days worth of plates just sat there going, clean me or I'm going to go furry. Yeah, I just use the same plate all the time. Just have something that's vaguely similar to the dinner that I had before so that it imbues the flavours. <laughs> so like your dinners are a spectrum over the course of a year where they just they alter slightly enough each day. Yeah, do you know, I used to have, just talking about washing up, I used to have a cup when I worked in the builder's merchants that never got washed up literally never it was just lit one a cup in it out cup in it out it would get wiped around the outside but never on the inside and eventually it actually went brown on the inside even though it's white outside mm-hmm. uh, and then i and then i got a stomach upset um and now i wash my cups up all the time but honestly living when you live on your own out here where i do um the way of life is very very different to what you would expect do you know how many people i've spoken to face to face since monday bear in mind it's now wednesday night Two. One. The postman. That's it. Wow. Haven't seen my neighbours. Saw her over the fence, but didn't say hello. And, uh, 
see that to me that's almost living the dream like no sometimes you know you just need a bit where you don't have any human interaction everything's all good and you can just get on with your day or as i call it the week yeah (laughs) i've got to go to the shop tomorrow i'm working myself up to it Working myself up to going into the metropolis that is Louth and seeing other cars. Because the road's closed at the back of Hubbard's Hills as well, which is the only reason people use our road is a, is a, to get into uh, Louth. So the only traffic that's been coming is the odd lorry that goes to a farm down the further down the track. So it's been absolute bliss. For, for all I know, the rest of the world could have imploded. Except uh, well, it hasn't, because I'm talking to you now. Well, I was going to say it hasn't, but um, some people would probably have you believe that it did on uh, on Friday night uh, when we we all got the news that we sort of speculated about last week. Um, obviously, Toff left the club. Um, it's gutting, really. And, you know, I think most people said it at the time, and I think you you know your piece was more or less spot on about it. And I think it was, uh, it yeah, it, it felt weird like every so often you'll get a an announcement that a player's leaving a club and and you'll nine times out of ten you'll be like oh okay yeah that makes sense for him you know and all you know fine fair enough not gonna not gonna shed a tear over it but then you'll get a player that's like tough and you'll, you'll get a player that's that's had the impact on you that you didn't think somebody would and I mean for me the previous one was was probably Nathan, where he said, you know, he was leaving the club and it was a difficult decision for him and all the rest of it. But um, ignoring, you know, ignoring the circumstances around it, ignoring where he's gone and everything like that, I think this is, it's the best move for him as a player. It's the best move for for him, you know, as a as the father of a, fa- a young family. And it's it, it's a good move for the club that he's gone to. You know, they're getting an ex- player with a lot of experience, even though he's still quite young. Um, he's a very, very talented guy, and as we've seen and experienced firsthand, off the pitch is is just as impressive as he is on the pitch. So, um, you know, I don't think anybody will have any ill wishes to Toff at all um, if he is listening, because I know he said he he he'll still listen to the pod and he he wants to come back on it at some point. And I said to him, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I think everyone would would wish him all the best. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't. It was news that we were expecting, but it was news that was still quite hard to take, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm over it. And if you are listening, tough. That's not meant to be cruel, but football moves on. Do you know what I mean? It was. Mm. It wasn't easy to take, but then Saturday rolled around. It was another game, and it was uh, LAT life after tough. So um, Max Melbourne slotted in nicely. He's our left back now. Um, of course, I'm interested to know how he does. I'm not one of these that bins ex players off straight away. Certainly not not people who who you know we've, we've spoken to and we've met with and and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I actually think where he's gone. Let, let's not really know bones about it. He's, he's linked up with Danny Cowley, and people think that Danny's a snake for taking him. That he's not. Danny Cowley's doing what's best for Huddersfield Town. That's the job he's paid to do. There's not a person listening mm-hmm. here who isn't paid to do a job who wouldn't do it to the best of their ability just because of respect for their former employers. Doesn't happen. If you work in the sales industry and you swap companies, you try and take your clients. Football's emotive because the customers, in inverted commas, are fans. And we all think that everybody mm-hmm. feels the same about the football club as we do. They don't. Right? The people who work at the football club, of them probably don't feel the same way about it as we do. They love it. They live and breathe it. Some of them put more into it right now in terms of blood, sweat and tears than the fans do. But then when they move on to bigger and better things, 
Um, you know, Lincoln's always in their heart, like a good former employer is, but they're not fans. Mm. You know, they don't remember at five, five years old going down the ground with their dad. They don't have those emotional ties, uh, you know, normally family ties or ties with the friends and things like that. And that's what makes football unique. So as customers slash fans, and I don't like calling football fans customers, but, but you know, that's what we are. And we think that players should be the same. And, you know, Harry Toffolo did everything that he was expected to do for the club and 20 times more on top of it. And he behaved like a fan because he understood his role. He understood what his... Um, what his position was enabling him to do within the community. Uh, mm. And I respected that hugely. Um, and that's what I've, what we've lost. We've lost a player who's seven or eight out of 10 every single week, matter not. Um, you know, but he's gone to join Danny Cowley at Huddersfield because Danny Cowley is the player that plucked him from the free agent list, giving him a full season last season, giving him his first um, title. He was installed as his first left back this season. He knows that Danny and Nicky Cowley are good for his career. And it's like, uh, I remember when I went to work for a company in Grimsby, who shall remain nameless because I was there for six weeks and then uh, and then parted ways. Um, but in those six weeks, I was asked, did I know anybody who I could bring over to fill a certain role? And I went back to the place I used to work and took my apprentice with me, who was also shit uh, as I was and who also <laughs> left after about six weeks as well. Um, but the point is that, that's employment, that's labour market, that's what football is. We don't recognise it as that because we dress it up as a million and one other things. All football is, it's an industry. It's like sales, it's like manufacturing, it's like insurance, it's like media. It's all sales. Players are assets, players are employees. Um, and and I, I personally think it is the best move that Harry Toffolo could have made because he knows who he's going to be working for and they know him. Uh, mm. And as for us, you know, we played hardball, got the money that we wanted by the sounds of things. Doubtless there'll be a nice sell-on clause in there as well. So, you know, everybody's happy. Certainly Max Melbourne's happy. Um, and I thought, you know, leading us into to Saturday's game, I thought it was a solid debut. I didn't think he was the standout player, but that's a good thing because he didn't stand out as being bad. You know, mm. he, he had a good game. Some people put Max down as man of the match. Um, and, you know, I just thought... I didn't notice an imbalance for not having Harry Toffolo there, and that's full credit to Max Melbourne, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think for, for me, the, um, the the thing that was pushing me to say that Max was possibly man of the match was the fact that he had to he had to come in with that weight of expectation on his shoulders. You know, he had to be the guy that was replacing Toff. You know, he's like, oh, Christ, yeah, I'm replacing that guy. Bloody hell, how am I going to do this? But he he stepped up to the plate incredibly well um he you know he made some really good tackles um i don't think he put too much of a foot wrong if i'm honest um obviously won the penalty which at first glance i thought was really soft but then looking back at it you go oh no he, he completely wiped him out yeah, it was a shocking challenge and, yeah. <laughs> and i was the same as you i'm in the press box and i see it and the ref points for the spot and alan long was sat behind me we shook our head at each other it's just like that's never a penalty it's the softest penalty you'll ever see and then bob sent me yeah. the photo too and he's like oh yeah he's gone over the ball and the ball's gone i'm surprised he didn't actually get booked for that yeah yeah absolutely like when i when i saw it on the highlights afterwards i went oh yeah okay fair play right well good spot um but yeah, I thought um, I thought the other guys had a had a great uh, you know great home debut as well. I thought uh, Teo Eden looked 
apart well he admitted it himself in the press conference didn't he He said you know the first half was he was finding his feet in the game he was trying to figure out where he was going to slot in and and how he was going to adjust to to life in in league one but when he got his head around it and he he, you know figured out what he was doing I thought he had a fantastic second half I Um, disagree I actually don't think he was that bad in the first half I disagree with you him and everyone else thought he was shaky for 10-15 minutes thought after that he, he was excellent I was I was raving about him on 25 minutes. So, mm. uh, Not saying he was bad. I think he was just, you know, obviously he, he wasn't playing the full level that he was expecting to himself. Um, but I think uh, in terms of uh, in terms of up top, I mean, it, how exciting is it that we've got a prospect that is being talked about by the Arsenal, like Arsenal's first team and Arsenal's Twitter account and the Arsenal fans? Like Arsenal fans are... are immediately like well obviously Arsenal fans are, are currently ones to possibly target the Stacey West given your thoughts on AFTV but um given you know given how he, uh how uh Tyrese John Jules played I feel I think he's a fantastic prospect and he's going to be he's going to be an asset to us this season by a long way yeah I, I think there's a large portion of Arsenal fans that don't like Arsenal fan TV so I'll refute that one and bat it straight back at you yeah that's fair. um but I, yeah, I, I actually thought um, of the two, Tyler Walker was probably the stronger player on Saturday. Uh, but I thought Tyrese slipped in like a, a seasoned professional. I thought it took him 10 or 15 minutes, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's just because Blackpool came at us for the first 10 or 15. Some of these players didn't have the chance to play football. Because, you know, football's mm. a bit like a boxing match, isn't it? One, at one point, it's one boxer swinging punches and the other one's not. And, and then it switches the way around. You rarely get them both swinging punches or both defend, being defensive. Uh, and they were swinging punches for the first 15 minutes. And that means that you, you kind of flare players and your players are going to get on the ball and make things happen and not able to do that particularly. Um, I thought Tyrese looked like he was going to get knocked about. I mean, make a mistake. Ben Hennigan and, and Curtis Tilt, the two centre-backs for Blackpool, uh, are really good central defenders at this level. Hennigan's on loan from Sheffield United. Curtis Tilt was wanted by Rangers. Um, you know, these are This is a centre-back pairing I thought was probably among the best two or three in the division uh, going into the game. So when you're then putting a player like Tyler, who could be described as lightweight or like... Um, uh, Tyrese, who's young and, and not used to that sort of football, they could have been bossed, uh, but they weren't. Um, and that, you know, we can talk about his goal uh, using as many superlatives as we want because that was the start of a partnership. It was an unselfish ball from Tyler, which incidentally he does quite a bit because it was his unselfish ball that set up Jace Hesketh for the fifth against Ipswich, and he could have gone for goal himself mm-hmm. um, from the same sort of position as well. Yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah. And if you think about it, it was a very similar goal in that I know how we've got the ball in that position isn't, but it's Tyler to the right of goal, player making a run to the left, clever ball through. Um, Tyrese took it fantastically. He showed the first touch of a Premier League striker and he showed the finish of a mm-hmm. Premier League striker. Uh, and then to get back on the line and clear off the line twice a couple of minutes later as well, really kind of cemented him as... The sponsors man of the match because the sponsors like their marquee moments, don't they? They're not yeah. football analysts. Yeah, I thought he had a. I thought he had a, a again similar, a, just a solid, solid first outing. And uh, like you say, the touch for the goal, just the way that he killed the, the pace on the ball was absolutely fantastic. And the uh, first home outing. Yeah, I mean, 
that's what I meant. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought honestly, he was he looks like he's gonna he's, he's gonna be a, a real star, and I think um, I think I saw an article today. I think it might have been on the Real AFL where they said if you were looking for someone or somewhere to send an exciting young Premier League striker, you don't send him to the place that's got the uh, the second top scorer in the league already. You, you know, you, you think, oh, Lincoln have already got a goal scorer. We don't necessarily need another one there. But, I mean, it's going to be... If, if we can carry on playing the football that we did on Saturday, because I think, just to touch back on something that we did a while ago about the, you know, the playing it out from the back, I think Blackpool allowed us to do that on Saturday. Um, they allowed us that the time at the back to to work it out from the defence and through the midfield. Whereas I think the problem that was caused, particularly at Sunderland, was when you've got the strikers with a little bit of pace that are putting the pressure on from the front. You know, they're doing that, they're pressing from the top. Um, and you see it forces mistakes when you're not 100% confident about the, the decisions that you're making. Um, and I thought Blackpool didn't have that option. So allowing us to do that led to some really, really nice football at times. I'm not going to go down the, the route of saying, oh, it was the best football I've ever seen at Central Bank or anything like that, but it was it was really nice to watch, um, you know, particularly when we when we managed to get it and get it all the way through and, and get some chances and some shots on goal. I thought, if, if this is how Michael Appleton wants us to play, I'm all for that because it was really easy on the eye. Um, I mean, yeah, is that... He said he wants to bring in that younger, more attractive style of football, um, and he's proving that. Are you are you surprised at how quickly that transition's happened? A younger style of football—that's an interesting turn of phrase. Um, well, younger players. You know. I know what you mean. I'm just being <laughs> facetious. No, I'm not surprised because it, it it hasn't happened overnight. We're on January the 22nd, and he came in at the end of September, so it's four months. Um, and I think that the football has only really properly come to fruition since the Burton game onwards, and they had that three weeks on the training ground. And um, I, I remember I, I actually got 10 minutes, if you recall, with Michael just before that, because we played Burton and we did the live pod on the Monday, and I spoke to him on the Thursday or Friday, and lots of people have been, uh, the, the mainstream media um, have been asking, you know, how important is it to get players back? How important is it to get them fit? And I asked him, uh, at the time, um, just can we cut it there for one second, mate? Just hold mm-hmm. on. Oh, she's realised and hung up. Uh, so we can leave that in. That was my other half calling and she's just now realised it's podcast night uh, and just hung up. So we can leave that in or edit it out. It's up to you, Ben. Um, <laughs> so I spoke uh, I spoke to Michael and sort of said to him, how important was it to get your ideas across, to be able to focus on Lincoln City, to have three weeks where you don't have to do work on the opposition. And I think it's those three weeks that have really paid dividends um, because I think the Burton game, possibly Tranmere, we started to see it come come together. Um, and really, I think the first time it really happened and you caught time to thought, here we go, we zip switch. Um, so I'm not surprised. I think it will get better. I think there will be setbacks. Uh, I think teams will figure us out and look to stifle us. Certainly Blackpool, like you say, had slow centre-forwards, weren't going to hassle, weren't going to chase. And when you think about Sunderland, who have got quick wide men playing in a 4-2-3-1, looking to put the pressure on, um, we panicked. I think that the playing out from the back has evolved already. Mm-hmm. I think probably one or two of the players didn't get it. Certainly up till Sunderland, one or two didn't, did they? But, you know, there was a... Far fewer times against Blackpool where I had my heart in my mouth. 
far, far fewer. Um, yes. And I think that's because the players now know that they can put it forward quite quick. And instead of having Jack Payne and Tyler Walker or Jake Hesketh and Tyler Walker, so effectively Tyler Walker uh, competing in the air, you've now got Tyrese John-Jules or you will now have whoever we bring in up front. Um, height's the only real issue. You know, Michael admitted it. He said he would love to have made a substitution uh, towards the end of the game and got some more height on the field, but he couldn't. You know, because he didn't have particularly mm. tall bench. So mm. I think that's the only issue we've got to address, as well as the obvious positional ones that we're, we're looking to improve upon. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I, I just think the the way that I'm seeing this sort of transition and this change happening um, is a bit like if you've got, you know, under, under Danny and Nicky, we were sort of the, we were the, us against the world, you know, Lincoln City, we're a small team, we're going to punch above our weight, we're going to, you know, everybody's against us, we don't care, we're, but we're going to do this despite everything. But with Michael Appleton, it almost feels, and I don't want to use, I, I don't want to use the term proper because it's not, it, it, it's it's almost sounding disrespectful to what came before, but it's it's not in, in that, it's not meant in that way, but it, it feels like Lincoln City are becoming more of a proper football club again. You know, we've we've got the we've we've got the business side seemingly down now. You know, we're getting to a point where we're able to uh, we're able to attract the players that um, that Michael is. You know, that that we, he's he's putting forward business cases. You know, sort of like, well, we're going to be able to to have these young players. We're going to bring them in, and then we're going to sell them on and make a profit. You know, he's he's being he's putting that honesty across with the fans. He's not sort of saying, oh yeah, we're, we're going to bring players in that are going to be here for the rest of their careers. And, you know, they're going to become Lincoln City legends. He's like, no, no, there will be players that we'll bring in and they will be talented. They'll be young. They'll be attractive prospects. And then, you know, we'll probably will sell them, but it'll pave the way for the future of Lincoln City. It's, it's an exciting time. It really is. Yeah. I'm not having proper football club. I'm not having that. We're yeah, a proper yeah, that football that's what club I mean. Like, I, I, we've I, changed, we've I, changed I, styles <laughs> I understand what you mean in terms of um, how, the off the how pitch we can, stuff. Yeah, but that you know that transition was needed from the national league. I think we became a proper football club, let's say, uh, as you've put it. I think we became that when we came back into the football league, probably six or seven months in, when when things had settled down. And who's to say that a proper football club are ones that sign young players, develop them and sell them on? Peterborough fans might argue that that it's a route to just being stagnated in League One. So it's a different approach. The football has progressed uh, from a uh, not getting beat, because I think that's what a lot of our football used to be about. We used to go out not to get beat uh, and, and to find a way to then win the game from the not getting beat platform. Whereas... Now we go out to win games. It's very, very different. Uh, we, you know, we're often on the front foot when we're defending. Um, you know, you, sometimes it's a little bit more, a little bit nervy. Um, so I, I understand what you mean, but um, I think saying things like we're becoming a proper football club is only feeding into the uh, the, the kind of anti Cowley rhetoric on on social media, which is dangerous. I, if that's yeah i mean it, that's not it, it's not what i mean um no no but that's but, why i've highlighted it because that's how somebody might perceive it ben and i know yeah, that you're yeah, not no, anti-cowley so yes 100 percent. That, that's not what i mean when i say that but it's um it, it's that's why i said I'm, I'm reluctant to use that word in but it's it's difficult to to get the point across really it, it's it's a difficult one but progress 
I know. Yes, yeah, I know what I mean. Yeah, um, style and, has know, evolved. We, we are. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. So, um, so yes, that's the uh, that's the Blackpool game put away, uh, put to bed. Let's uh, let's see what fans talk to about Jake after the game. Right, well, with Chris, another home win, really. Yeah, keep racking them up at the minute, don't we? It's yeah. good. Yeah, I think you know best home form under Appleton. You can tell that that's somewhere that he wanted to address. Yeah, I think we've um, been really strong at home. Good support. Um, look confident. Um, foundation for success is the home performances to an extent I think um, we've got about four more at home than away or three yeah. more now yeah. Um, so yeah if we can continue that form and maybe pick up a few points on the road then good times new lads both played fairly well today obviously John Jules getting the winner but I thought uh, Hedden when he played tail when he came you know, second half he was so, so much better so you know he played a lot better I was really impressed, yeah. I, um, Eden grew into it, definitely. Um, thought he was excellent second half. Melbourne was outstanding at left back. Um, John Jules really played, I mean, he played as well, if not better, than Walker. Um, and, you know, scored the winner, cleared one off the line. He, he was putting himself about. I thought it was a very, very well composed, well taken goal. Yeah. Um, a real Arsenal goal, that. Yeah. He, he, you know, sort of just a a really composed finish for such a young player Um, so yeah I thought it was when I saw the team sheet before the game I was a little bit nervous that uh, we'd had sort of so many new ones chucked in but it was um, really impressive really impressive and then obviously we have to talk about the penalty from where I was it didn't particularly look like one but he he gave it and that's three in a row I think Ty's missed so got one at Shrewsbury the one that shows me, but you know, it's the third, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's not going to do him any good, is it? Um, no, but if it had finished nil-nil or they'd sneak to winner, it would be it would mean something. But it doesn't in the end of the yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I'm personally a fan of smashing it down the middle as hard as possible yeah. from penalty. Um, keepers tend to move and tend to dive, um, but you know, like I say, if uh, if it had finished a, a draw or a, you know Blackpool win, then we'd be up in arms about it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's up to eleventh. I know. I as far as as far as I'm <laughs> as far as I'm aware, that's you know that, that just, I think that's just shown the, the way that Upton has put his footprint on the football club yeah we've played some I mean some of the football um, that we're playing particularly the final third but um, all over the pitch the, the way he's, he's playing keeping it down quick passing uh, some lovely little one touch moves around players um, really good to watch really good to watch um, so yeah. yeah good thank you very much alright Chris and your man of the matches well I thought John Jules is a good shout, but um, I actually thought was hugely impressed with all four across the back. But Bolger, for me, I thought had a brilliant game. Didn't put a foot wrong, yeah. won everything, strong in the challenge, and actually put some good passes out. Um, so for me, surprisingly, probably yeah. to most, I've gone for Bolger. Melbourne did really well coming in for you know. Unfortunately, Toff has gone. It's a good deal for the football club as far as we're all concerned. But you know. Well, Melbourne did more than enough to step into his shoes, I thought, today. Massively so, yeah. Big boots to fill. Um, probably a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen hardly anything of him, but he was he was excellent from, from the word go. Um, and and ran that line well, yeah. ran, ran that line in very much the vein of Toff. Okay. So hopefully, you know, we've got a, another cracking left back there. And then, obviously, if we got on next game, is it, it's Ipswich, isn't it, next week? Ipswich away, yeah. Could go there and 
it could win easily couldn't we based off what we did against them here yeah I mean we were talking before the game and the next three games I said I could see us maybe even getting seven points that might be a bit ambitious but I can see us getting a point at Ipswich um, we, if we go to Southend and can't win then that's, that'd yeah. be hilarious obviously but um, I think we can I think we can do Pompey here on a Tuesday night well that would be us sneaking towards the, to the playoff places uh, yeah, I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. If we f- season finish tomorrow and we're 11th, 12th, 10th, happy. whatever, more than happy. Yeah, I mean, um, even before the game at sort of 16th, you've, you know, we've yeah. got to be happy with that because it's got to be about staying in the league and then next season really, really pushing but it's promising, on. isn't it? It's, it is. Yeah, there's, there's the signs, um, big, really, really positive signs, um, and I think you know, come September, he's going to pretty much reshape the whole squad yeah. and the whole team, um, and. We've got a cracking manager there. He knows what he's doing. Thank you very much. And this is Jake, who, of course, believes everything that he reads on Twitter verbatim, because if it's written on the internet, it must be true. Dairy me, Jake. Dairy, dairy me. And you said my hair needs a comb. Young man, (laughs) you need to sort yourself out, otherwise we might have to find somebody else for the jersey. Oh, yeah. He's he's going to get the... uh... You could do it, man. I, I I want to get home after the game. It takes me about half an hour to get out of my bloody seat. By the time I've left, I think it'll probably be over. Oh, anyway. Well, you see, I live an hour from the ground. Yeah, that's true. Before we move on to uh, before we move on to the weekend's game, shall we talk a little bit about um, a couple of things that have happened? Obviously. Uh, the the big omission from well two big omissions from the bench on uh, on Saturday. Uh, the first one was John Akindi. Uh, he, he sort of um, was well. Apparently, Michael Appleton was told that he'd had an injury, um, and the second one was Jamie McComb, who the press were told uh, is doing another job for us at the moment, or he's out on another job. So let's start with John because um, you know again we get. We get called Akindi, uh, Akindi apologizers on the podcast, but um, f- he didn't seem happy, did he, Michael, on uh, on Saturday? No, I was in the post-match press conference uh, with the written press, um, Alan Johnson, LSJ, Mark Wiley, that sort of those sort of people. Mark Wiley asked asked Michael several questions, and Michael was his usual personable self. As you know, you can ask Michael a question, and you'll get more than one word back. Um, and then he said, where was, what was, what was John's absence today? And Michael went injured and that was it. Uh, and then, um, Mark went, what, what, what sort of injury? Can you tell me any more? He went, no, it's hippie, hip injury. Will he be back for next week? Don't know. Now that was very, very unlike Michael Appleton. We know by now with four months into his reign that he's honest, he's open. He tells you what he knows. He pulls no punches. That's a man that doesn't. Not that doesn't know, but that knows that he couldn't say. Mm. Um, I have concerns at the moment about the future of John Akindi at the football club. Um, I wouldn't like to think that a player had said he was injured in order to uh, avoid being injured or avoid, do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I don't want to think that of John because I have been very positive about John in the past um, and about what he brings to the club, more so last year than this year. Um, you know, I think there's been one or two misses this year that's just been head in hands time, and then he comes on at Bolton and, and does what he does. 
at this moment in time with what eight, seven or eight days to go to the transfer window deadline, I wouldn't be surprised if those two goals at Bolton weren't the last that we saw of John Akinde. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you if I'm honest. Um, the, like, like you said, the thing that worried me was the, the way in which the, uh, the question was answered. Um, by Michael it, it, like you say it was it was very much kind of a nope don't know don't know and and the the wording in the pre-match where he was talking to Michael Horton and he said um the wording was very specific and he said John has told us that he's got an injury it wasn't yeah we've checked him out he's not fit to play it was yeah. he's told us that he's injured so it's like mm. well what 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 does that mean you know is it is it the same as me ringing up one, you know, one morning when I don't want to go into work and just going, oh, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why are you, why are you pulling a sickie? Why are you skiving? What's, what's going on? Not that yeah. I have pulled a sickie if my, uh, if my employers are listening, by the way. Oh, I pulled bloody loads of them, got sacked for it on a couple of occasions. I loved a sickie me. Used to call it new computeritis. Whenever I got a new computer, I was off school. Whenever I got a new computer game, I was off work. Absolutely loved it. Used to take my birthday off every single year, and there were some weeks when they told me I couldn't have it. So what do you know? I've got a stomach upset. Boom! Two days of Saints yeah, I, Row I two. Definitely did that at school. I did it at work. I do it now, and I'm, I'm self-employed. I took an hour sick this afternoon so that I could play Metal Gear Solid because I knew I would get to play on it tonight. Smashing. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's it's obviously a a tricky one to, to discuss. Um, you, you hear things, you, you know, you hear things uh, around the ground from people that, uh, you know, not the ex agent on Twitter or whatever, but you hear things from people that you, you do trust and you think, Hmm, okay. Is it that he might be wanting to move back closer to his family again? I, I don't know, but hundred percent. I, yeah. I wonder if John and his family haven't settled up here. And I know that he bought into this move, not because of the training ground, not because of the fans, not because of anything other than Danny Cowley. Um, he said that he was impressed with how Danny analyzed his game. He was impressed with how Danny wanted to play him. And I think John is probably going to be a, a slightly longer term casualty of the manager change. And, mm. If if we if we get a fee for him, which we should do, because you're talking about a player here who has scored what twenty odd league goals in a season and a half. Forget how many are penalties. Do you know mm. what I mean? He's 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 hit twenty odd goals, twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's got to be worth hundred and fifty grand of anyone's money. Mm. And you know, links to Salford were always going to be a bit crazy because he ain't going to want to move further up north. His missus is uh, as I or his partner rather, as I understand it, has got a very good job. Um, very intelligent, uh, you know, and, and, and focused on her career as well. So a move back down south would seemingly be the only option. Um, but there's very few clubs in League One and League Two in that area who are going to have £150,000 to spend. Um, you know, Southend might. Uh, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, but to be honest, I think Southend have got better things to spend it on than players. So we'll see. Look, if John stays, it'll be a bonus because he's useful not as a starter though I don't think mm-hmm. any team that's aspiring to be top half league one at the moment wants John Akindi from five years ago not John Akindi today mm. yeah and it's 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 almost sad to say that because I think it it 
it kind of gives credence to a lot of the 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 arguments against him at the moment you know it's yeah. it's we've said this year we don't think he's made the step up that he needed to into league 1 um he scored I, more goals from open play in league 1 this year which is mad yeah and you know as we all know goals from open play count double um so we can <laughs> You know, we can put that in the uh, in the goals for column. But well, missed penalties don't count for anything, do they? No, <laughs> no, we didn't talk about that, did we? Yeah, I mean, that's, we don't that's, need to. That's Tyler's third missed penalty this year. That's mad. Do you think if he'd have scored those three penalties, he would be the top scorer in the division, and he'd nearly be on twenty in January? No, that's... he wouldn't, because one of them was in the FA Cup. Of course, it was. Yes, he would. Wait, well, still nearly be on twenty. He'd still be the top scorer. Yeah, he'd still be on eighteen. Tony's on seventeen. You're about to hear Charlie in a minute, I think. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he would. And we, it wouldn't have affected the result of either of the games in the league either. No, that's a, that, that's nice when you can say that. We missed a penalty, but we still won the game. Or we still, you know, and we still he, had a hand, he had a hand in both the wins as well. He bounced straight back. So. Yeah. So anyway, that's John. Let's talk about Jamie. Yeah, so the other one um, is, uh, is Jamie McComb. So I... Um, I wasn't privy to to some of the rumours until we started recording, so we're not going to go into them um, because I think it's a it's not fair, and b I, th- I would question Could the validity of some of them. But um, yes. yeah, Jamie uh, was obviously missing uh, on on Saturday uh, from the bench, um, and I think was it the it was the press conference that you were in, wasn't it? The written press one, yeah where the question was asked, um, you know, where was he today? And the answer came back of, well, he's, uh, he's doing a different job for us today or he's doing a, um, he's doing a different job. I he's, think he's doing a different, yeah. Doing a different job as part of the role as it expands. He didn't as say number any, three. No, he didn't say any, I didn't say anything like that. Oh, okay. He said, he's, he said he was doing a different job for us today. Right. Okay. So yeah, some have obviously speculated that that was, um, that was scouting Tom Hopper. Um, some have speculated that that is uh, management, uh, well, management BS, uh, for want of a better word. And, you know, others are, are taking it at face value. So, yeah, thoughts on this one? I'm not going to speculate too much. Um, I do have thoughts on it, and it runs along the same lines as, as I was just talking about John Akindi. I just wonder if Jamie, who has been a was a key part of everything Danny and Nicky did. I just wonder if maybe his time at the club is now coming to an end as well. Um, it would be a shame. He's had two great spells at the club, one on the pitch, one off the pitch. Really like Jamie, um, really down-to-earth guy. Uh, I would hope that the rumours are not true. Uh, uh, we're not going to go into those. Um, but as I understand it, there will be clarification in the press conference, which I think is tomorrow morning. Um, as to the future direction. So by the time people hear this now, uh, they'll probably know. So, um, you know, you could tell us, listeners, uh, exactly what's going on. Yeah, uh, It's a bad time for us to speculate about it, really, isn't it, Ben, with hindsight? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like you say, we're not going to, we're not going to discuss the rumours. We're not going to go into them because it's, you know, I'll say it's not really fair and there's there's a, a question over the validity of them. But we'll certainly see in the morning or you, I'll say you'll, you'll have heard you'll at this now. point. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about Tom Hopper. Um, uh, oh, I thought we were going to talk about Ipswich first. Go on, then we'll talk about Tom Hopper. Well, we'll talk about Tom Hopper. Um, I think, obviously, it's, you know, Southend came out with a statement um said, well... I, I had some bones to pick with uh, with Southend United's statement because it seemed needlessly petty for the most part. 
So it was uh, last week, the club were approached by Lincoln City with an offer to sign Tom Hopper. The club refused the first and subsequent offer, but have now agreed terms and given consent for Lincoln to talk to Tom. While Southend United do not welcome the approach, we equally recognise our league position can often attract interest. Additionally, it's also recognised that all players wish to compete at the highest level, and at this time, the club does not wish to stand in Tom's way. And then it goes on about them looking to reinforce with another striker. Now, for me... That's really, like, the whole part about, you know, approaches aren't welcome and we rejected the first two offers and now we've agreed terms. That's not necessary and it just seems really petty and it's sort of like trying to make us out to be the bad guys in this situation. I I, I don't know. I, I think I, you're I, reading a bit too much into it, mate, to be honest. Possibly. I mean, I probably am. I, I just, think what you're reading it from a Lincoln City fan's perspective and South End United haven't written that for Lincoln City fans. They've written it for South End fans. So what they're actually trying to do is defend the fact that they're going to be selling their star striker. They've said that they've accepted the offer uh, ahead of any negotiations for two reasons, in my opinion. One, in order to try and draw any other people who want to bid out of the woodwork so that they can try and get some more money, which is mm. fairly obvious. Uh, and two, so their fans, if they'd started hearing rumours, etc., uh, it puts their fans a little bit more in the picture. But because they've been hit with financial difficulty, because they seem to be selling off the crown jewels and preparing for relegation, which, let's face it, is inevitable, mm. they're not staying up. I'll state that right now. Um, they, they're trying to placate the fans. They've basically said that. They said we're not staying up. Lincoln City are a bigger bigger football club than us is more or less what they've said. Mm. They're not saying that to you or me. They're saying it to South End fans. I did, I, I, when I read it, I kind of, I thought it was a, I, I just think clubs need to be a little bit more um, candid with information at that point. Anything could still go wrong. What would have happened uh, if negotiations had fallen through? Mm. Tom goes back to South End, but they've already told their fans that Tom wants to play a high level of football and is happy to leave the club. They've put him in a tough position. They've essentially put him in a position where he can't go back, so he's got to accept terms, which could be what they wanted to do all along. They need the money for him. Um, yeah, it's just, it's unprofessional. You won't get our media team doing that. You know, Terry won't ring me to tell me who we're signing until half an hour before we're signing him because they don't want the leaks. They don't want the speculation. They don't want all of that sort of stuff. So, it, you know, it, it was what it was. I think Southend are, are so deep in the mire at the moment that they're just desperately trying to save face. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you say, they they are. There's no saving them at this point in terms of their league position this year. It's 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 an absolute disaster of a season. Which there's something I don't know. There's, it's a little bit of Schadenfreude going on when you think, right? Okay, we look at where we were. You know, years ago, South End of the team that beat us in that second playoff final, and I know that's that. You know, obviously times change and, and teams change and all the rest of it. I mean, Bournemouth are obviously the team that beat us in the first one, and look at where they are now. But and yet we've some... played both of those teams in the bottom division since they beat us in the playoff finals. Mm. Yeah, it's just it, there, there's something nice about it in a you know in a slightly nasty way, if you if that makes sense. Um, but I don't know. I it, it would be lovely to see, you know, uh, I think it'd be great to see Tom Hopper come in. I think he's um, obviously his, uh, his past, uh, past transgressions, I should say, hopefully won't, you know, won't put too many people off. I know some people probably uh, won't be, might, may not be familiar, but obviously he was part of the, uh, the Leicester youngsters that got involved in the, uh, 
shenanigans out in Thailand and um, shenanigans. Have you seen the tape? I haven't seen the tape, but I've heard the content of the tape, and I'm pretty sure I don't want to see the tape because uh, I've managed to make it to 33 years old, nearly 34, and I have yet to see a Lincoln City player's penis, and I'd like to keep it that way. Um, which, yeah, I mean, that's obviously going to be... Benito Carboni's seen my penis. We're going to come back to that one. Um, <laughs> how? Why? So many With questions. eyes. <laughs> So many questions. Anyway, we'll come back to it. No, look, I, I, you know, five years ago, uh, he made the sex tape. And I, whilst the content of the tape is um, beyond unsavoury, I think you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's a sort of fallen frank apology. And I know for a lot, I know for some people who are listening, I appreciate that, that that's not enough and what, what he did and the way that the rest of them acted represents something wider in society. Um, but you, know, you have to move on. And I think by his, and when I say move on, I don't mean kind of dismiss what happened, but I wouldn't doubt for a second that a 26 year old me would have regretted an awful lot of things that a 21 year old me did. And had there been social media when I was 21, um, you know, there may have been certainly not sex tapes. I mean, I barely <laughs> ever got it. Um, but there did may you have been things. Head on? No, I didn't actually. No, it's, um, I smell bad enough as it is without introducing poacher into the equation. Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not a joking matter. And I understand, no. I understand uh, the issues that people have with it. But again, I, you know, I do think if five years ago I'd gone out and beaten somebody up in the street, you know, I'd be back out living my life now. And we had Luke McCormick who, who resumed his playing career after killing two children in a drink drive incident. We've got Chad Evans who was, um, you know, what he did was unsavory, whether it was, you know, what the, the law said it was or not. There's no denying what he did he's resumed his playing career as well um you know we had Niall Mason who was convicted of sexual assault at Doncaster they fired him Peterborough have taken him and he's he's now one of their top players so uh, you know yes what these what these people represent what they have done is not particularly a family image but you cannot you know, one mistake shouldn't ruin a life if you're genuinely remorseful for it Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Tom obviously apologised immensely. I would think he's he's learned a lot um, from from the fallout there. He was a Premier League, a borderline Premier League striker when that happened, and then you know, a couple of years later, he found himself playing for Scunthorpe United. So I, I, yeah, I think there's there's certainly a lesson to be learned there. You know, I didn't like being Scunthorpe on the stands without him stand on the pitch looking at the bloody things. I was going to say anyone that so, spends that much time in Scunthorpe's already served punishment enough, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, the apology is important. And yes. So at the end of the day, he's a 26-year-old striker. Last season, he scored seven in 14. This season, he struggled a little bit. But, you know, as I said on my, my Facebook Live video yesterday, it's, you could put Lionel Messi in at Southend, and I think he'd struggle for chances, to be honest, at the minute. So um, interesting. Whether I would, if somebody had said to me, we're going to spend £150,000, which is the alleged fee, uh, we're going to spend that on a striker, uh, from League One, who do you think it's going to be? Tom Hopper probably wouldn't have been in my top 10. Hmm. And that, that honest truth, not because I don't think he's good enough for it, but because um, it seems an inflated price for a player with six months left of his contract, who's had a year out with injury uh, and has played a total of 30 games uh, in in 18 months or more for his club. But um, 
We'll see, you know. Just raise an interesting point, though. Danny was clearly after Tom mm. uh, on loan from Scunthorpe. Then when he was released from Scunthorpe, he wanted him to sign permanently, and instead he signed for Southend. And now we're in for him again. Interesting that he's a target for the new manager as well as the old manager. And he does pose the question. Somebody asked me on Twitter, do I think that Michael Appleton has full control over our transfers? Um, yes, I do, obviously, 100%. He's the manager. Uh but if both Danny and Michael are interested in the player independently of each other, um, that does suggest that he's got something about him. So, and you know, when we've got a a top coach, which Michael is, you know, he's coached in the Premier League. He's, he's worked with some of the best players in the world. Um, he knows his stuff. It's exciting to see what he might be able to do with uh, with Tom. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, right, let's move on to uh to the game at the weekend Ipswich now this is the fourth time we'll have played Ipswich this season if my memory serves me correctly is it, the it does yeah so is there anything that we can expect this weekend that we we haven't already seen I'm not sure um I, I'm, I don't know if I'm honest how busy they've been in the transfer market I don't know who they brought in so well, funnily enough, they're starting eleven on uh, the eighteenth, which was what Saturday against Tranmere was. Will Norris, Luke Wolfenden, James Wilson, Luke Chambers, Leon Garber, Emin, Emin Hughes, Flynn Downs, Guion Edwards, Alan Judge, Will Keane, and Caden Jackson, which is pretty much more or less. Uh, they're starting 11 all season, bar the likes of James Norwood coming in and out, who came on as a uh, as a substitute. They brought on uh, a lad called Bishop as well, possibly a new signing. I haven't actually seen uh, that they've made a new signing, mm. if I'm honest. I'm gonna. You might be able to hear keyboard tapping in the uh, in the the back. No. No, uh, Ed, uh, Teddy Bishop was there anyway, so um, I haven't. I don't think that they've made any significant signings. They still play a three-four-one-two, which is that three at the back, which you know I always worried about until they came to Sinsel Bank and it was just this complete free-for-all. Uh, I don't think you'll see a five-three again. I think it's going to be a narrow game. Big, big game this. Mm. Huge game. We since Burton Albion, we've taken one point nine points per game. You know, we've been scoring goals freely. Seems odd when you look at us now to think that you know going into December, people were saying we couldn't create chances, even against Coventry and Oxford over Christmas. You know, we had what one shot on target, and all of a sudden it seems to have clicked, and it all seems to have clicked since we we pasted Ipswich. Mm. And okay, I know that you know. The Peterborough game was hard fought. Blackpool, we played well. Bolton was a gimme, and, and we lost at Sunderland anyway. But um, you know, I've got, I, I, it's a draw for me. We go there and we get a draw. You, you take seven from nine all day long, and by beating um, Blackpool and Bolton, I thought that we would get four points from those two games. We've taken six. Ipswich and Portsmouth. I'll be perfectly happy if we take four points. Take four points every two games. Portsmouth's going to be a massive tie. Um, I wouldn't even be that disheartened if we took two draws, to mm. be honest. You know, you're talking two teams in Ipswich and Portsmouth that should in reality be gunning for the top six. Uh, and we should in reality be, be gunning for where we are now. Yeah. But oddly, you know, we're actually in no man's land, aren't we? Because technically, somebody pointed this out to me. When 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 the, the league table comes on the tally, it shows you the top 12 and the bottom 12 teams. So we're in the top half, technically. 
But when there's only 23 teams, the top half is the top 11 and the bottom half is the bottom 11. And we're actually in no man's land. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, it's that, it's bang in the middle of the table, isn't it? Yeah. So the, the definition of mid table. Yes. And there isn't a fan who wouldn't take this at the end of the season. But when we're talking about going to Ipswich Town, a team that we have won. 5-3 against, lost 1-0 against and drawn one all with. And this is kind of the deciding factor. I just think it's, again, it's just testament to how far we've come. And all of those results have come under Michael Appleton as well. Mm. And I think that's interesting. I haven't seen a game yet this season where we've played Ipswich where I felt they were the better team. Mm. You know, we, we drew in the FA Cup and should have won. Tyler missed his penalty and that would have been 2-0 and we would have won the game. They scored in the last minute of a game that I thought we were the better side in, and had Big John uh, hit that, hit the target in the first half, we you know we would have won that game. And I know football's shoulda, woulda, coulda, but we've played three games against Ipswich, and I personally think we were good enough to win every one. So there's no reason why we can't go to Portman Road and be good enough to win it again. Absolutely mm. not. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. So, um, I I would, and again, I keep saying this every week, but I'd take a point. I really would. Um, it's we are getting to the point in the season now where it's almost like the running, isn't it? At this stage, you know, we've got we're what three, four months away uh, from the end of the season. So it's 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 getting to that. We're past the halfway point now. We've we've played some teams twice. We're going to play other teams for the second time shortly. Um, and it just makes me think that there's a lot to there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, you're not not just before the end of this season, but going, you know, looking forward to next year as well. So, Yeah, I think one of the worries looking forward was that the end of the season was going to come and we were going to lose a raft of players and have a big rebuilding job. And, okay, yes, we are going to lose quite a few because of the loan players, but we're not going to lose as many of our full-time players as I thought. And if, you know, if... It's because we've lost them all in January. (laughs) Well, yeah, but that's that's the point. It's a staggered um, change rather than a, a, a wholesale shift. Mm. And, you know, I'd say that's clever, but probably it's just other managers in the past have just been foolish. And, you know, you look at Teo Eden, Max Melbourne, Aaron Lewis, you know, exciting young players, two of them, you know, not even really bench fodder under the previous manager, but in Max Melbourne and Aaron Lewis. Um, and yet there they are possibly representing the future. Mm. I have a sneaky suspicion uh, that, that Michael might offer... Michael Boswick and Neil Erdley new terms um, and possibly Josh Vickers as well. Wouldn't surprise me to see those three get contracts. Would shock me to see Jason Shackle get one. Mm. You know, with, with Keon Bulger's on a, on a deal, we'll lose Joe Morrell, Teo Eden's on a deal, Ellis Chapman isn't. I would, I would like to think that we would re-sign Ellis in the summer, but his recent absence from the lineup does make me wonder um, if maybe he's lined up to go elsewhere. You know, Harry's going nowhere. We've got Zach Albazetti now on the flank. He's tied down. George Grant is tied down. You know, the focus is going to be on adding one or two or four uh, quality faces rather than adding eight, nine or ten into a full squad. And I yeah. think um, you know, we've still got some interesting uh, days ahead of us in between now and the 31st. Uh, and I think it's probably lucky that we have a game on Tuesday and therefore a podcast on Sunday night because I would imagine that we will have something to talk about by then. Yeah, I, I, I can fully anticipate at least one coming in before 
before we talk about it again on on Sunday. So Tom Hopper. <laughs> well, yeah. we know that you know the the Echo have been updating us with no updates at all all week, haven't they? Yeah. Talks are ongoing, is what they keep saying. Yeah, I know I shouldn't lash out at the Echo. I really shouldn't, and I don't know if Mark Wiley listens. And he, we, we, I don't know if it's by design or not. But we we barely ever speak. You know, I don't, don't even think we said hello or goodbye to each other at the, the weekend, you know, and I get on really well with Alan Johnson and the LSJ lads and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I know I'm a little critical of the Echo and it is really easy for me, but, you know, I've seen six or seven articles about Tom Hopper and every single one of them has basically said the same thing, that we're in for him and talks are ongoing, mm. you know, with ambiguous things like, I understand talks are still ongoing. Well, <laughs> Jesus, well, there we go. As I understand it, my dog is still in the living room. I'll update you again in town. <laughs> No, I know, I know, I know. I'm talking. I know. I'm making it more uncomfortable when I do go. You watch. There'll be a headline tomorrow. Stacey West blog starts starts beef with Lincolnshire Echo. I've got no beef with Mark. He's, he has a tough job in a really changing and evolving yeah. uh, landscape. I've always got on with the Echo. I got on really well with John Pakey, Lee Curtis going right the way back to when a guy called Michael Sassy was the editor. I used to go in as a, as a young lad. Um, Brian Holford was there and I did a couple of days under him on a kind of a, a training work experience type thing. Um, so I haven't got a problem, but like I said, I just, we don't, we don't speak. And I just think that's because we don't know each other. Um, personally, I tried to say hello and goodbye at the Bristol Rovers game and I don't think I got too much back. Um, but there we go. That's, that's the media for you. It's uh, it's yeah. tough, isn't it? Absolutely. So, um, so that's pretty much it in terms of uh, in terms of the week. As we say, we're going to try and get together on Sunday to talk about Portsmouth next week. Um, just how how weird is it to say Lincoln City have got Ipswich followed by Portsmouth in back to back league games? Not really. We've had Ipswich followed by Peterborough followed by Sunderland. Followed by, it's just run of the mill now, Ben. Got to get used to it, mate. Know, it's, it's still weird, though. It's still weird. Um, but uh, yeah, before we go, um, before we go, we are going to we're going to go through our our new feature, which is sweeping Ooh, yeah. the nation, or at least the five hundred or so people that listen, and a couple of people have responded saying yes, that was quite surprising. Um, our mystery age celebrities. Can't believe now, we're doing this. Last week, mine really fell flat because nobody told me that Tina Turner's 80th birthday had been massively publicised in the media at the time. <laughs> See, I didn't realise that either. I just thought, well, she must be around that. But um, yeah, so go on. Your your surprisingly aged celebrity this week is well. It, do you know what? It's actually getting quite tough uh, to find surprisingly aged celebrities mm. um, because. Very few of their ages surprise me. One did surprise me massively, okay? Cindy Crawford. Oh, is she like 62? See, that's why it surprised me. Cindy Crawford is 53. Wow. So that's younger than I put credit for. She was born, uh, yeah, 1966. There we go. So, and when I say that surprised me, it surprised me because actually I had Billy Piper in mind and I literally, as I was talking a minute ago, thought, I wonder how old Cindy Crawford is. Saw she was 53 while I was talking to you and got shocked. I thought, yeah, I thought she was, I couldn't remember where, like when she was sort of in her prime, if that. Okay. 53. Where would you have had Billy Piper just to see if that would have been a shocker or not? Um, I would say, uh, where are we? 
I think she's about seven years older than I am. So I'd say 42, 41. A bit surprising then, only 37. Oh, okay. Wow, that must mean... Mm. Yeah, okay, I've... I've doesn't massively... mean you're 30, Ben. No, it doesn't, sadly. <laughs> I I thought she was... I must have misunderstood, like, had a wrong guess as to when that, like, her pop debut was there. Because she was a pop star, and just known as she Billy. Was fifth. 15, didn't she? Didn't she? There we go. Chris Evans, Chris Evans start dipping in when she was 16. Borderline. These days it'd be a bit savile, but back in the day, no one blinked, blinked an eyelid, did they? <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, you know, who knows what the future yew tree is going to be called. Anyway, um, my um, my surprisingly aged celebrity is one that uh, one that not a huge amount of people, I, I imagine, would, would immediately recognise the name. Uh, but well, if it's not a celebrity band, it's oh, I'm going to rule it out. Definitely is a celebrity when I tell you because I I think we discussed this one off air last week, so you're not allowed to guess. Um, oh. but, well, you can, but you'll have to make it sound like a guess. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, the actor who plays Black Panther. Yeah, you see, I think it's a bit specialist to be honest. He's in um, one of the biggest grossing films of all time. Yeah, I don't think anyone cares how old he is. And it's only the biggest grossing film of all time because it attracts kids and uh, people with little imagination. As Martin Scorsese says, Marvel are not really films. Martin Scorsese can kiss my ring. Anyway. Well, the greatest filmmaker of all time <laughs> can kiss your ring because you watched something that was originally a comic book aimed at children. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will quite happily watch The Irishman when I find a week to watch it. But you wouldn't understand it, Ben. It hasn't got explosion. Oh, it has got explosions. It hasn't got people in capes running around going pow and bash. Tell you what, bollocks to my Wallop. Scorsese. You can kiss my ring at this point. Wallop, bash. <laughs> now, anyway, uh, I don't know. Is he is he forty two? Chadwick Boseman, the actor who plays Black Panther, is forty. I thought he was a lot younger than that. Is he? Yes, he is forty, 40. years old. It's funny because Wikipedia says he's 42. Well, the article that I'm looking at right now, which was this year, says he was 40. So says he was born in either 1976 or 1977. So actually, it's a rubbish one because we don't even know how old Chadwick Boseman is. He's even older then. He's even older. Wow. There we go. Well, um, that seems like real anticlimax. That's, that's actually really annoying because I did say there that uh, it was it was from this year. I looked at a different article last week and I thought I'd gone back to the same one. Uh, no, this article is from 2018. So yes, he is indeed 42. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. That's fantastic. Do you know what, Ben? You genuinely, you've now made it made me wish that um, I'd finished on Cindy Crawford. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of people that wish they'd finished on Cindy Crawford. <laughs> yeah, I set that one up. Yeah, you did. Yeah, um, yes, we're not we're not going to go down the route that you suggested last week because that was uh, that was somewhat horrific. If you want to know what that is, find us at a game and ask us. It's not suitable for podcasting. Um. But uh, yeah, I think that's probably going to do us until Sunday when we'll probably get the podcast out on Monday. So uh, take care, guys. If you see us at the ground, say hello and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye bye. Cheers. All. The 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in.
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.